You are listening to the Slow Living Podcast, and I'm your host, Stephanie O'Day. What if I told you that you could truly have the life of your dreams, the life you've always wanted, one filled with abundance, joy, and a sense of purpose? It's absolutely possible, and I see it each and every day with my coaching clients. It all starts with learning how to slow down. You deserve to live the life you've always dreamt about. Let's get started. Hi there, Slowdown Society. Steph here, and this is episode number 19 of the Slow Living Podcast. I am so happy that you are here. We are going to talk intermittent fasting today, and intermittent fasting essentially how I think it really sort of translates into the best kind of self-care that you can do for yourself. And a huge part of slowing down, a huge part of paying attention to what you want out of life and trying to create this life of your dreams, which is what I'm all about. And hopefully it's what you're all about. If you're here listening is, you know, you're meant for something more. And I want you to just stop and to pause and to take a deep breath and don't just keep doing what you're doing, but figure out where it is you're going. What is it you really want out of your life? And for me, I want to be strong. I want to be healthy. I want to live a life of purpose and joy. I want to pop out of bed each morning, super excited and ready to take on the day. And in order to do that, in order to serve, and in order to be the kind of mom that my kids need me to be, I need to take care of myself. And the absolute best and, ironically enough, easiest way to take care of myself is to pay attention to the food that I'm putting into my body and not eating when I'm not hungry. And that is literally what intermittent fasting is all about. So I wrote a book about this. I I wrote two, four, six, eat, intermittent fasting simplified. And so today I'm going to read you some excerpts from that book And it came out in, I think, the summer of 2020. Actually, I think I wrote the book in the summer of 2020, and then it it came out on Amazon in the fall of 2020. It's a short read, super easy. You can get it on Kindle. You can get it on Amazon. If you want instant PDF, you can buy it on my website, stephanieoday.com. I've really found that the best way to sort of take charge of my health is by slowing down and paying attention and not just eating for the sake of eating and not just eating because everybody around me was eating or or putting food in my body because the clock said it was a certain time of day, but just actually being in tune and paying attention. And many people get into intermittent fasting because they actually have extra 
body weight that they're trying to shift. And when I first started goofing around and and reading about it, my absolute favorite researcher is Dr. Jason Fung. And he's got quite a few books, but he wrote The Fasting Code and The Obesity Code. And if you want all of the science-y stuff around intermittent fasting, go for it. Read it and, and kind of dive in. I am not a spreadsheety kind of person. I am not a super sciencey kind of person. I just want the bullet points of what works and what doesn't work. And so that's what I tried to do in 246 Eat. So I knew when I wanted to, to sort of take charge of my health that, that the trajectory that I was on wasn't something I, I wanted for my life. I could tell in my early 40s, gosh, Steph, if you, if you continue this way, you will gain weight every year, just a little bit every year. I could tell that my metabolism wasn't where I wanted it to be. I have joked before with you and I'll say it again. I'm, I'm frugal. I am Scottish and there is no way I was going to continuously buy new clothes. I'm perfectly happy with the clothes that I have in my closet from the mid nineties. And, and I've got clothes that I bought when I graduated high school and those are the clothes. If there's no holes in them and I'm perfectly happy continuing wearing them. So I didn't want to agree with the with the inevitability of continuing to gain weight in my 40s, 50s, 60s. I, I didn't want to. And so I started doing an awful lot of research and reading about intermittent fasting and the women that I looked up to who appeared to be naturally thin and naturally fit were intermittent fasters. They may not call it that, but that's just what they happened to do. And I started paying attention like, huh, we're all kind of sitting in this restaurant eating right now, but so-and-so over there, she's, she's kind of having a black coffee and is just super happy talking and, and, and joking around, but she's not necessarily eating. And so I just started being very, very aware. And so I wanted to kind of figure out what my why was. And that is the first thing that I would ask you to do. So if you know that your health isn't where you want it to be, and you know perhaps you've got some extra weight that you want to shift, or you're not sleeping as well as you want, or you can feel that your hormones are a little off, um, maybe you've got brain fog. So figure out your why and write it down and not your why because of like societal pressure, but your why, uh, and, and only you know. And, and so for me, honestly, a lot of it was kind of vanity. So I only had about 10 pounds on my frame that I wanted to shift. And if you've got more than 10 pounds to lose, this might not seem like a lot of weight to you, but I'm only five feet tall. And t- that 10 pound range put me out of the healthy weight BMI and into the overweight BMI. And I didn't want to be there. And 10 pounds is about 12% of my body weight. And so it actually takes a lot of motivation and determination and self-care and discipline 
to lose 12% of your body weight. And so I've done it a few times and I've learned that the older I get, the harder it is to lose those last 10 or so pounds. So my why, I, I dug out my journal and my why was I wanted to feel good in shorts and a tank top. I wanted to be able to run a 5K without stopping. I wanted to be a good role model for my children. I wanted to feel invigorated and energetic throughout the day. I wanted to not be disappointed when I saw candid photos taken of me uh, when I didn't know that my husband <laughs> was taking photos while, while we're out walking on the beach or something like that. And I wanted to sort of figure out a long-term and sustainable eating plan, not something that I would go on and off of depending on the seasons or depending on if we had a family event or, or a wedding scheduled. So I figured if I could achieve those things, that the extra weight I was holding on to wouldn't be a problem. So unlike all of my other adventures in quote-unquote dieting, I didn't care how long it took. I wanted to just finally feel good in my skin and feel healthy. I also wanted to be able to eat what I wanted, when I wanted. <laughs> well, not necessarily when I wanted. And I didn't want to remove large portions of normal food, so American-y type food from my everyday diet. So like most Americans, I've dabbled with low-carb and keto diets and calorie counting, and I was successful while I stuck with it, but I knew it wasn't a long-term sustainable approach and how I wanted to live my life for the rest of my life. Because quite frankly, I simply like food <laughs> too much, and, and I'm not good with any sort of deprivation. If you tell me I can't have something, I've got the personality that will try and prove you wrong, and I will look for the loophole. So, and I, I didn't want to personally do any sort of counting forever. I didn't want an app for counting calories or carbs or Weight Watcher points. Because while those tools might work, I knew I personally wanted a lifestyle that I could do forever and ever and ever. And I didn't want to have a crutch that I needed to pay attention to, like, like daily inputting. And also for me, I would sometimes feel as if I failed if I forgot to log something into my fitness pal or, or something like that. So all in all, when I decided I was going to kind of dive into intermittent fasting and embrace it, I ended up losing 12 pounds in a year and 12.75 inches off of my body. And my fat percentage went from about 32% to 25.8%. And I am happy to report that I can easily run a 5K without stopping and I can keep up with people much younger than me in yoga classes. I sleep really well. We talked about sleep in the last episode. I've got a lot more energy than I used to have. And I don't have kind of these random hormonal chin, like cystic acne that, that I used to get on, on a regular basis. And, and that's really because my hormones are, are much better and in check now. I feel comfortable wearing shorts and a tank top, and I'm no longer immediately cringing when my children or husband take photos of me when I'm not in a sort of perfect contorted pose. I am a very 
typical wife and mom of in her <laughs> mid 40s. I've given birth to to three humans. I I do have cellulite. I do have a saggy stomach when I'm in plank, but it is who I am and I'm perfectly comfortable with it. So that's from the vanity standpoint. But let's talk about the health benefits because there's quite a few positive health benefits that occur when you're in a fasted state versus a fed state. So this is from the obesity code with um, Jason Fung. So when you intermittent fast on a regular basis, right away, you've got reduced visceral and subcutaneous. Right away, you have reduced visceral and subcutaneous fat, reduced basal plasma glucose, reduced basal plasma insulin, reduced basal triglycerides, an elevated basal human growth hormone, elevated basal glucogen, elevated rate of autophagy, a slight increase in your total body metabolism, and improved insulin sensitivity. And the health benefits that I personally have experienced are fat loss, less inflammation and joint pain, better sleep. My IBS issues have decreased dramatically and really sort of disappeared unless I'm on vacation and not really paying attention. And I have a much lower resting heart rate. My resting heart rate went from high 70s to low 80s to mid 60s. And every once in a while, it's quite low and it's like 56, which is fascinating to me. And then anecdotally, the following kind of positive results have been reported from readers and coaching clients who have followed along in 246 Eat. And that is sort of binge and appetite correction. And quite a few people have written in and said that they were plagued with kind of lifelong eating disorders. So like binge, purge, bulimia, and then uh, kind of overeating disorders have, have just sort of been naturally corrected by paying attention to that. It's easier to make healthy food choices. You end up with more energy, better focus. You end up with this kind of worldly concern for those who are truly starving, which is kind of fascinating. You become aware of the pressures of society to make us eat when we're not hungry. There's less time spent worrying about food and cooking. You kind of cool down your internal body temperature throughout the day because you're you're not constantly trying to digest. You end up with more free time because you're not constantly cooking or thinking about cooking or preparing food. You become much more in tune with your body and you save money on groceries and eating out. Intermittent fasting promotes cellular repair. And so this is called autophagy and that's kind of a very cool thing. So autophagy actually means self-eating. So when your body isn't constantly digesting food, it has more time for cellular repair. And so if you think about the last time you're really, really sick or your pet was really sick, one of the first things sick people or pets do is they stop eating. This is actually a self-preservation survival skill. Survival skill. <laughs> Your body kicks into overdrive to save itself, and it uses all of its energy to fix and maintain the needed cells by recycling and removing the dysfunctional ones. And this is a really good thing. Fasting also promotes the production of human growth hormone, and that is 
a hormone that's super active when you're young, but it naturally begins to slow production as we age and fasting sort of kickstarts it again. Obviously, fasting helps you lose stubborn belly fat. And I think we all know that belly fat is is just bad for you. So even people at a normal weight should be worried about the fat that accumulates in the belly because that means that you probably have visceral fat surrounding your vital organs. And so the, the fat sort of congregates around your organs first and then kind of pushes out in your skin in this sort of protruding belly. Okay, so intermittent fasting and inflammation in joints. I didn't think that this would happen for me. I thought this was sort of like an old wives tale and anecdotally I had heard about it over and over again. And it wasn't until I experienced it that I'm like, huh, this is really a thing. But I've had knee, hip and plantar fasciitis pain ever since having my last baby. And she's 12 now. And I had gone to quite a few different doctors who x-rayed and just told me that it was arthritis and it was from overuse and it wouldn't go away. The The first time that I was told that I had arthritis, I was only in my, my early to mid thirties. And I honestly thought I was way too young to be troubled with arthritis, but just sort of agreed with the doctors and took them at their word. And it's fascinating now that my joint pain is practically non-existent and I don't need to take a leave or Advil to sleep at night or to get through the day. And I can run and stand easily without my knee or my hip bothering me. And it, it took about six weeks for me to notice that my, my hip was not hurting at night and another three months or so for me to be able to walk and run without needing to stop every few feet to crack my left knee. And I can tell now that if my knee starts acting up or if my hip starts acting up, it's because I've sort of let my, my eating windows, my, my feeding windows expand. And I've been having an awful lot more sugar than I need to. And it takes eh, maybe a week, maybe 10 days to get it back in check just by tightening up my eating window and reducing the sugar and the simple carbs and getting back into kind of this stage of, um, of fasting and, and being in this kind of ketogenic state of, of higher protein, higher fat, and, and less simple sugars. Not only has the joint pain gotten better, my brain fog is so much better. And I honestly didn't know how foggy my brain was until I started intermittent fasting. And I realized I wasn't getting these sort of sugar slumps at 10 a.m. or 2 p.m. Instead, at work, I was wide awake and eager to go. So if you're constantly in this fed state, your body is releasing a steady stream of insulin all day long in order to digest and to process the food. And if you remain instead in a fasted state, your body doesn't need to release insulin. So your blood sugar is steady all throughout the day. So I no longer have this kind of dreaded sugar slump mid-morning or mid-afternoon. In fact, when I eat now, I actually really want to go lie down and take a nap. And I sort of feel like a newborn baby with a full belly. I am ready for bed right after I eat. So it, it's very interesting. So 
depending on the day. On the weekends, Adam and the kids like to make pancakes and and waffles and, and that kind of stuff. And so although during a work week, I'm perfectly happy with black coffee and I cannot eat until two o'clock, four o'clock, something like that. But on the weekends, I'm like, oh, that's fine. I'm going to enjoy enjoy the food, enjoy the family. And so I'll eat at eight, nine or 10 a.m. And then I'm kind of done. Like I'm, I'm ready for a nap. And it's just really interesting. And it's just, it's just sort of fascinating how, how your body really doesn't, one, need all this food. And, and two, the act of digestion is absolutely exhausting. And that's why we go for more caffeine or we go for another little hit of sugar to, to try and wake our bodies up when really if we just sort of waited and prolonged that, it would have been probably better in the long run. Are you wondering if you're on the right path? Are you secretly worried that you are forgetting to put your own needs and wants first while you raise your family? What if I told you it is not too late and you really could have the dream life you've always wanted and all it would take is a few tweaks to your mindset? Each week, I have a few open slots for free coaching calls. Together, we can decipher your most challenging mindset block and clear it away so you can live out the life you've always wanted. You can sign up at stephanieoday.com forward slash mindset. You should hurry because I'm not sure how long I'm going to have this available for free and I'd hate for you to miss out. The URL again is stephanieoday.com forward slash mindset. So let's talk diabetes. So fasting can't help with type 1 diabetes, but it can help with type 2 and type 3 diabetes. So when a person has type 2 diabetes, their cells don't respond normally to insulin, and insulin is what helps control the amount of sugar in the blood. So more than 30 million people in the U.S. alone have been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, and 90 to 95% of them end up with this high blood sugar level that damages the body and it leads to other health issues such as kidney problems, vision loss, and heart disease. And obviously you need to consult with your doctor and do not stop taking your, your insulin in any way. But you can, after consulting with your doctor and after starting to lose weight and and getting your blood sugar in check with intermittent fasting, many, many, many people have been able to eliminate their type 2 diabetes right away. And if you want research on that and you want some testimonials, the best site is Dr. Jason Fung's books. And then his website, I think, is called The Diet Doctor, which sounds like a a spam site, <laughs> but uh, dietdoctor.com is Jason Fung's um, site where he talks about how he can reverse type 2 diabetes in his patients. Type 3 diabetes is kind of a relatively new term, and I first heard that from Gary Taubes, and Derry, uh, Gary Taubes has written quite a few books. He's written The Calorie Myth, and he's written uh, Why We Get Fat and What to Do About It, which is one of my favorite books. And that's got a red cover and just fantastic book. But type 3 diabetes 
Researchers are beginning to believe that Alzheimer's can actually be linked to insulin resistance, and type 3 diabetes occurs when neurons in the brain become unable to respond to insulin, which is essential for basic tasks, including memory and learning. So it sort of led them to believe that insulin deficiency is central to the cognitive decline, which happens with Alzheimer's disease. And in our family, we do have Alzheimer's disease and we do have cognitive impairment that happens later in life. And so I'm really aware of that. And if there's anything I can do on my end to sort of ward that off, I am all for it, all for it. Anecdotally, there's been a few other benefits that I have had and readers have written in. Benefits that I've had happened, I I ended up having a smaller shoe size, which is kind of interesting. So I've always been size six shoe. My feet have kind of shrunk now down to size about five and a half. And I think that's because a lot of the inflammation that was around the joints in my feet have have lessened. I happen to have thicker hair and fingernails. Some people have written in and have said that they've got better eyesight, a reduction in seasonal allergies. I have not had this, but I had a woman write in saying that her hair had gone prematurely gray and it is starting to turn brown again. So if you have had any positive results, I would love to hear from you. Write in to me. I I just, I think that is just wonderful and fascinating. I want to share a reader question. Actually, not a reader question, a listener question. So let's pause for a second and let's listen to a question from Sherry, who left a voicemail online. Hi, Stephanie. I wanted to thank you for your ideas about fasting that you shared in your book. My name is Sherry. My husband and I have each lost 10 pounds. My question to you is about what do we do now that we have lost some weight? Do we keep fasting each day? Thank you for your time and for your help. I have been reading your emails ever since I first saw you on Rachel Ray. Okay, Sherry, that is a great question and congratulations. I hope you and your husband are feeling better and have kind of a new lease on life. I am so happy that this has worked out for you. To answer your question, I am very much of the mindset of if it's not broke, don't fix it. So if you're at your ideal weight right now, then just keep doing what you're doing. But if you want to relax a bit and extend your feeding window, maybe have more six-hour days versus two-hour days, then just go for it. And listen to your body. If your favorite genes start to get tight again, then maybe sort of rein in your feeding window. But one thing you're going to notice as the body fat starts to fall off is that you're going to get leaner and you may find that the scale stays the same, but your clothes fit better. So after a certain amount of time, it's actually better to pay attention to your measurements than the scale. And the scale might actually go up as you gain more lean muscle mass. And that's normal. And it's a very good thing. So if you can, try and focus on how you feel and how your clothes fit once you've hit your goal weight. So I hope this helps a bit. And congratulations. I think that is just fantastic. And and I'm so excited and happy for you. So the name of the book that I wrote is Two 
four, six, eight. And that's because for me, I don't focus on the length of the fast. So when you first start reading about intermittent fasting, people talk about 16-hour fasts or 20-hour fasts. I personally decided to focus on the length of the eating window and not the length of the fast. And that's because for me, I found that when I focused on the length of the fast, I'd kind of fool myself. I would preemptively decide on a 20-hour fast and maybe a four-hour feeding window. But after looking down at my fasting app, I'd see that I had already been fasting for 16 hours or for 18 hours. And I would kind of say to myself, ha, that's good enough, Steph. You don't need to overdo it. And then I'd open my eating window earlier than I wanted to, just because. So I found that deciding kind of early in the day or even better yet, earlier in the week, exactly what hours I was going to eat and then just sticking to it. It made my fasting stronger and it was easier to deal with kind of the mental drama of, gosh, is 16 hours long enough? I did 22 yesterday, so surely... 16 has got to be good enough for today. And, and that kind of kind of thing. It just, for me, sort of cut down on, on the mind drama. And also, fasting by choosing your hours to eat, it means that you're kind of constantly switching it up and your body will end up responding better and faster because it's a way to beat out homeostasis. Because your body's designed to not want to change easily. And it prefers to keep the status quo as much as possible at all times. So when you begin any type of a reduced calorie diet, your body's going to start to tap into other parts of itself to keep running as efficiently as possible. And the hope is that our body decides to tap into fat storage for fuel. But if you continue to always eat at a calorie deficit, you risk burning other parts of your body for fuel, such as lean muscle. And muscle is metabolically active, which is a good thing because it means that it requires energy to keep it stable, even when it's at rest. And the more muscle your body has, the more calories your body requires to just keep that muscle. And a traditional diet would have you continue to eat at a caloric deficit the entire time you're losing weight. But this weight could be coming from muscles or bone density. And if you're only focused on eating at a caloric deficit to lose weight, you're going to need to constantly lower your calories each time you see a new number on the scale. And that is not fun in any way. So what I really would, would like for you to do is sort of get rid of the phrase and get rid of the mindset that you want to lose weight because you do not want to lose weight. You want to lose fat. And the best way to lose this fat and beat out homeostasis is to constantly kind of confuse the body and keep it guessing. So this happens in fitness with, with cross training. And if you constantly are a runner and you're only a runner, you will end up getting stronger and leaner if you mix it up a bit and start lifting weights or start playing tennis because you're starting and stopping and, and doing different things. And you kind of confuse your muscles. And so with trying to shift body fat, 
changing up your eating window. And um, on a day that you know you've got a breakfast meeting at work, your your feeding window, you're going to open it at 8 a.m. And you're going to sit in this breakfast meeting and you're going to have the pastries and you're going to drink the flavored coffee. And so you're, maybe that day you eat from 8 a.m. to 12 noon. And then that's it. You're, you're done in, until the next day. And then the, maybe the next day is Sunday and you get invited to a barbecue and football game and that kind of thing. And it starts at two. And so you're going to extend your feeding window from 2 p.m. to 8 p.m. So that's six hours. It's just a matter of looking at your week, looking at your calendar and figuring out what makes sense to you. But what I don't want is for you to skip going out with your friends, skip hanging out with your family because you're on some sort of crazy diet or, or something like that. And, and that is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a long-term sustainable, hopefully for the rest of your life, eating plan. Okay, so one last major thing is calories. So I think we all know about calories. It'd be hard to get to an adult and, and not understand calories in, calories out. So my absolute favorite part about intermittent fasting is the ability to eat whatever I want. And I am a pro at counting calories and carbs, but I know it's not something that I personally want to do for the rest of my life. But if you are a data tracker and you want to count calories, then go for it. But if you've never counted calories before and you have no intention of ever doing it ever again, then just don't. But just by naturally eating less often, you will end up consuming less overall than you used to. And if you've maybe you've been intermittent fasting for a while and you haven't gotten the results you're looking for, then maybe it would be a good idea to just kind of plug in what you're eating for a little while in a calorie counter app or something. So I like the Lose It app or the MyFitnessPal app just for a week or so. So you can see what's going on with your eating habits. And then you can see what you might be able to tweak. It might be something as simple as just foregoing the, the extra slice of pizza and, or, or, or whatever it is. I'm using pizza as an example. So I like to feel full. <laughs> I'm, I'm a volume eater, so my absolute favorite meal of all time is a great big huge honkin' salad with, with meat sprinkled on top and um, blue cheese and a really nice thick creamy dressing. And I will make a, a very large bowl of salad. And I'm very full, very full when I'm done eating it. But if you plug it into a calorie counter, even if I, if I toss a hard-boiled egg in there, it ends up being about 500 calories, maybe 600 calories total. And, and that's it, even though I am very, very, very full. So, so just kind of pay attention. If you find that you are snacking on handfuls of pecans throughout the day or, or walnuts or something really kind of calorically dense, it might just be swapping that out um, for a few days and seeing if your clothes start to feel a little bit better. Another thing, so, so I'm talking about the, the calorie counting. 
One great thing about intermittent fasting is that it creates this sort of intuitive eating because I want you to just listen to your body. And one fascinating thing about calorie counting versus intermittent fasting is you don't need to eat all your calories. And that's one great way to sort of trick your body and and kind of beat homeostasis is if you were doing a quote-unquote traditional diet and you were allotted, let's say, 1,400 calories a day, but you're full after 800 calories, some people would say, no, you're going to get into starvation mode. You need to eat all your calories. And I don't want you to do that. I want you to listen to your body and, and just trust that your body knows what it's doing. And if you are full and you are not hungry, don't eat. And that is another way that um, I just don't agree with long-term calorie counting. Some days I'm starving and I eat 22, 2,500 calories. And then the next day, my body is still digesting and it's just not hungry. And I don't need very much food at all. And that's just fine. Just, just listen to your body. Just decide that your body is a very smart machine and it's gonna do what it needs to do. And then the, the last thing I want to cover, and then we'll sign off. And again, all of this is completely and totally outlined in the 246 Eat book. But I get these questions a lot, and so I want to make sure that I'm answering the questions. Is, hey, Steph, what do you eat during the fast? Or, or what can you drink during a fast? So I do not want you to get dehydrated in any way. So obviously drink, continue to drink lots and lots and lots of water. But the down and dirty answer is don't eat anything and then drink nothing that has flavor. So stick to black coffee and water. So if you want sparkling water, go for it. But that's really it. So I just drink lots and lots of water and lots and lots of black coffee, and that's it. So there's plenty of flavored sparkling waters on the market right now, and I'm okay with that if that doesn't get your stomach to start growling. So some of these flavored sparkling waters taste sort of sugary on your tongue, and if that triggers you thinking that food is on the way, and, and you sort of can tell that your body is starting to get ready to digest something and it's triggering this sort of insulin release, then don't drink the flavored sparkling waters. Go back to plain, just um, plain water or plain bubbly water. The, the fancy pants uh, seltzer water that I like comes in glass bottles and it's Tabo Chico. It's super bubbly. It's like double or triple the carbonation. And it's just amazing. And it has this like party on my tongue. And I just love Tabo Chico. Um, and the funny thing is, is I can fool myself into thinking that I'm drinking beer because it's out of a glass, <laughs> out of a glass bottle. But anyway, that that's the down and dirty answer. Is nothing that tastes good in your fast. Um, drink, just drink lots and lots of water. And then when it's time to break your fast and open your feeding window, that's up to you. If you've been craving cinnamon apple donuts all day 
and that's what you want, then, then go for it, eat it and, and knock your socks off. I, I don't want you to feel deprived in any way. Okay. So that's it for me for today. I hope that this was helpful. Absolutely shoot me up with any questions. Thank you to Sherry for leaving a voicemail. If you too have a voicemail question that you would like to leave, you can find the recorder at stephanieoday.com forward slash podcast. And remember, if you've got a question, I'm sure other people do, and they're just not as brave as you are. So go ahead and, and help others out by recording your question. So, okay. We will see you next time. And that's actually going to be a fun episode. I've got it scheduled out. But episode 20 is a former coaching client of mine, Catherine. And Catherine and I are going to chat about her coaching experience. And she'll be able to share what she learned through coaching with me. And I'm really excited to hear what she's got to say. All right. We'll talk to you later. Have a great day and happy slow living. Do you have a slow living story to share? Leave me a voicemail at stephanieoday.com forward slash podcast with any questions, comments, feedback, or testimonials, and I will be sure to include it in an upcoming episode. Also, if you found value in this episode, please share it with your family and friends and subscribe through your favorite podcast provider. The more you share, comment, and leave positive reviews, the more people we can reach and share the slow living lifestyle and messaging. Thank you, Slow Down Society, and have an absolutely wonderful day.